0: It would be Adrian, myself, Mike, and occasionally Vince, who would preach the Word of God. We're uh, the elder and leadership team here at Oasis. It's our calling, not in our calling kind of way, but we feel like God has called us to do this kind of ministry, and the church has released us to do it. Uh, However, we also want to recognize gifting and passion in uh, the, the body as a whole, and we know there's a number of people in Oasis that are keen to explore their preaching and teaching gift as well and they do that through other different areas of church ministry uh, across the year. So everybody that uh, is coming up as it were over the, the next couple of weeks is already known and loved in Oasis Church and speaking in some capacity elsewhere. So we want to as a church get behind these people as they bring to us something from the word of God which is our usual series i.e the Abraham series and we're really behind them so I want you to I want you to be full of encouragement because it's a bit nerve-wracking when you don't do this kind of thing normally uh, to to bring loads of encouragement and loads of support and after they've spoken whether you thought it was the best message you've ever heard or the whole load of things you could think of that they should have put in that they didn't Just give them a load of encouragement. We don't want any negative stuff. We just want total encouragement, total support, total love, total really with you. So on that basis, last week, if you remember, Vince and Sarah shared. Today, I'm going to introduce them in a minute. We've got Paul and Beth. Next week, we've got Matt, uh, who, as an aside point, Matt and Catherine have just had a baby today, did you know? So if you don't know that, you know it now. Isaac, £8, 5 a.m. this morning. Great news. Uh, So... Matt, as part of his working out his life in general, decided he'd preach a week after having a baby. Credit to him. Uh, And Peter preaching next Sunday. And then it's uh, Vince coming back on bank holiday Sunday and Dave after that. But anyway, this morning, the great Paul Sams and the wonderful Beth Davis. Let's welcome them and then I'll pray for them. Come on. So let's just pray for them. Let's just shut our eyes for a minute. Lord, thank you for these two that have spent... Time in your word, seeking your face to bring some encouragement to us from you this morning. I pray you bless them, give them your peace, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord God, will they know your hand of blessing on them and our hand of encouragement with them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you.
2: Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> get me glasses on. Um, by the time we get to Genesis 17, Abraham has walked a path of faith with God for 24 years. Abraham had stumbled, but he put his—he uh, stumbled on an occasion, but he, he did see God come through for him on a number of occasions. When he was in Egypt, when he feared for his life, when he rescued Lot when he wouldn't allow the king of Sodom to bless him with riches because he wanted God to bless him. Was anybody here last week, by the way? Right, okay. I think that Sarah, who preached, made a really great point. Last week, Sarah described her when Abram needed encouragement. He stood outside his tent, looked up at the sky, and just remembered the promises that God had given him about the descendants being as numerous as the stars. I'd like to add to that and say that Abram probably also looked back, remembering the good things that God had done for him, then looked forward, remembering the promises upon his life, and then used both of them to strengthen his faith. And we can do the same thing by looking at the great things that God has done for us individually and as a church in our past, then looking forward, remembering the promises on an individual basis and as a church, Strengthening our faith, bringing fresh hope, and increased love. I'm just going to now hand you on to Beth.
1: Is that working? Yeah. I feel like Janet Jackson. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm not going to sing. I'm just going to read the passage that we're going to talk about today. So it's Genesis 17, verses 1 to the end of 13. So it's the covenant of circumcision. When Abram was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, "I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you, and will greatly increase your numbers." Abram fell face down, and God said to him, "As for me, this is my covenant with you: You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram; your name will be Abraham, for I've made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful." I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come, to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you're now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Then God said to Abraham, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised, my covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. A bit repetitive, but I hope you got the gist of that. So, before I start, I just want to um, ask anybody—not that I've prepared this in any way. A few people got texts this week, but ask anybody if you had a nickname at school. If you can put your hands up. Yeah, Gareth. Uh, I've got big Gareth. Big yeah. Great nickname. I wonder why. Mophead. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. Your hair's beautiful. <laughs> can I just say, I've got curly hair too. I had something similar, but I'm not sharing that with you. Anybody else? Yeah. Can you? Or maybe just shut it out. Maybe just shut it. Personal, smaller, mighty. Small mighty. Great one. I like it. Yeah. Skull. Ooh. That sounds a bit dangerous. Anything else? Yeah. Georgie Bargett. Georgie <laughs> I'm not going to say a word about that one. <laughs> okay, so, ooh, yeah. No, Kojak. oh, yeah. Kojak. Oh, Kojak. Sorry, that's your accent. That's really rude. <laughs> Kojak. Okay, so Kojak. Again, not saying a word about that one. Um, so nicknames can be positive, can be negative, can be helpful. They can tell us a bit about people, can tell us a bit about their history, maybe what they were like at school, or sometimes they're not helpful at all. So I've got a few pictures up that are going to come up. First one, can anyone shout out who that is? Gazza, Gaza. Gazza. yeah. What's his real name? Oh, yeah, thank you. I think Gazza is a stupid nickname because, I'll let you in for a secret, I thought he was called Gary Gascoyne for a very long time <laughs> because I thought Gazza, Gary, makes more sense. Okay, next one. Know who this is? Freddie Flintoff. Again, what's his real name? Confusing, isn't it? (laughs) Right, his real name's Andrew, he gets called Freddy, really confusing. Um, A third one, does anyone know who that is? (laughs) Jamie from Made in Chelsea, thank you. I'm a big Made in Chelsea fan. Um, This one's quite a sad one because he gets called the boy by his friends and it really annoys Gareth and I when we're watching it, taking it overly seriously. He gets called (laughs) the boy because, um basically, they will laugh at him and think he's stupid, even though he's their, he's their equal he's their peer, so I don't really like that one, so nicknames can kind of be helpful or unhelpful a bit more seriously um a few years ago, just as I was becoming Christian, I worked in a I volunteered in a homeless shelter, and there's a guy who came to the homeless shelter who sort of had a bit of a checkered path, shall we say he'd been in the hell's angels, been in and out of prison um quite a violent guy, big bruiser as well, who'd just become a Christian. And everybody knew him as Animal. So his dad had called him Animal and had basically told him, you're an animal, you are. And so he, t- he took that on as his nickname. And um, the lady who kind of ran the homeless shelter, who's was a really amazing woman, just refused to call him it. She just said, you know what? You're not an animal, you're a man, and I'm not calling you Animal. And so she would only call him his real name, which was Mark. And a lot of us in the homeless shelter just thought, come on, get over it, you know, just call him Animal, it's his nickname. But she just said, I'm not calling you Animal, because you're a man, you're not an animal. And um, obviously, at the time, I was sort of 17, 18, I just thought, you know, get over it, what's the issue? But actually, when I look back, I think that she was able to recognise that that name Animal had real power over him. And she just said, that is not who you are, and I'm not calling you it. And I can kind of look back at that, and see I suppose an image of sort of what Jesus has done for us so he was willing for his kind of identity and his um, reputation to be completely tarnished before he was um, put to death on the cross so that we can have an identity of our own does that make sense so so that woman was willing to basically look a bit of an idiot and for everyone to laugh at her because she wanted Mark to be known as Mark and to be a man and not an animal That's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. So the title is, um, it's actually Looking Back, Looking Forwards, but we've written it wrong there, but that's fine. So Looking Forwards, Looking Back, not a problem. Um, (laughs) um, It wouldn't be Oasis Church without three points. So I've come up with three points that I'm going to talk about, which are the three N's, 99 names, and now that's what I call circumcision. (laughs) When we um when we knew we were gonna be talking on circumcision, we both panicked slightly and thought, Ugh, can we avoid this? But then we thought, It's Oasis Church, they can handle talking about circumcision. And if they can handle it, we can just about handle talking about circumcision. <laughs> so there are the three ends. So the first one is ninety-nine. You might think, Why ninety-nine? So it's basically <coughs> the first thing that we know about Abraham, sorry, Abram at this point, is the first thing we know about Abram after his name. So the um, the Bible kind of says, the passage that we're talking about kind of says, Abram was 99. Yeah, could you find that? Oh, thanks. Um, so we know his name. His name means exalted father, and we'll come on to that in a minute. But the second thing we know is that he's 99. And that's kind of the first thing that struck me when I started reading the passage, I thought, gosh, that's a bit random. 99 years old and suddenly everything's changing for him. So why is 99 significant? Well, basically, I think, I'm only 27, so I'm not 99 yet, believe it or not. But um, I imagine at 99, you've kind of seen it all. You've experienced quite a lot. But the interesting thing is, no matter what he'd kind of seen and learned along the way and the mistakes that he'd made, when faced with God... Abraham immediately did what came naturally. So he's face to face with God. And what came naturally was just falling on his face. Um, the second thing about m- being 99 was that I think if we had someone who was age 99 in this church, I think it would be someone that we'd kind of respect and look, look up to. Maybe we might ask their advice. We might kind of see what they thought about stuff. Because we kind of <coughs> assume that people at 99 know the ways of the world. They've learned quite a lot. But again, when faced with God, God coming face to face with Abraham when he was ninety nine, it didn't matter that he was ninety nine, he was just God's child in front of him. And again, I'm assuming his identity's fairly set. You know, he's not gonna change much. We always laugh about Gareth Nan, who's um who's quite energetic at eighty is she? Eighty-three? Don't know. Um, but when we go out for dinner, we go to one of three pubs, <laughs> and she ain't going nowhere else. <laughs> She's pretty stuck in her ways. We've got the choice of the three pubs, and those are the ones we go to. And um, and I think, kind of, at ninety-nine, your identity's fairly set. You know what you want. You know who you are. But again, with God turning up, God didn't see Abraham as this kind of ninety-nine-year-old who was stuck in his ways. For God, it was never too old for God to turn up again and transform. Abram's life. Um, but this wasn't the first time that Abram had kind of become, had kind of been face to face with God. So he'd met God several times before this, but he still fell face down. And I just think that's really an, an amazing picture. It can't have been comfortable for him. He might have had arthritis or something, but <laughs> he um, he'd met God several times before, but he just fell face down. And I think sometimes we can almost grow a bit used to Um, our relationship with God, and even maybe used to how amazing he is, and used to the amazing things he does for us and other people. So, um, for example, a few times in my life, I've kind of said to God, you know, I just feel a bit sort of sluggish, I'm not that excited by God, I don't feel that passionate, and I've said to God, God, can you just take me back to how I felt on the day of my baptism? where I just felt like me and God were tight forever. I was madly in love with him. I just thought, God, you are the best thing ever. And I was so excited. And I'd said to God, you know, can you just take me back to that? I want that again. And God very, very clearly said to me, actually, no, I'm not taking you back there because I've got so much better for you. I've got so much more for you than that day. And I really feel like Abraham got that, that he'd he'd met with God face to face before, but he just fell face down. And also, I think the kind of 99 thing, um, Abram had been known as Exalted Father, which we're going to talk about a bit more in a second. <coughs> For 99 years, that had been his name. And he may have thought that God had kind of forgotten him and his desires. Sometimes we can get a promise from God years ago that we just get used to not having in our lives, like he hasn't kind of fulfilled that promise. And we just think, oh, fine, I'll just I'll just live the way I live. He might have thought that God had forgotten him and his desires. But actually, God's timing is completely different to ours. So you kind of think, blimey, Abram's 99, and now God's just come in and done this amazing thing. But actually, for God, his timing's completely different, and it's never too late for him to give us a new identity. Okay. So what had Abram got used to? So he'd basically been called Abram, you know, however many times a day that people would call him his name. And it meant um, exalted father, So exalted kind of means being lifted up, kind of celebrated, put on high. Um, Whereas Abraham was actually really humiliated. He really felt, I assume I don't know him, but he really felt kind of low hearing that name. Um, He wasn't a father. He hadn't had any children and he wanted children and he was called a word that means exalted father, which I just imagine must have really kind of tortured him and held him back really. Um, But before God got to changing Abram's name and giving him this covenant, God actually introduced himself, which I think is more significant. So he said, he basically came in. We've said, when I read it out, um, I am God Almighty, but actually the word is I am El Shaddai. Now, I don't know if you know what El Shaddai means. I didn't, so I looked it up, and I found three, um, three translations for it, which were God Almighty, All-Sufficient, and God the Destroyer which kind of seemed a bit, that's a bit of a random one. Maybe someone's made a mistake. But I thought, I don't really want to ignore that because I think what God has come in and done is he's actually, he's come in and he's destroyed Abraham's old identity. And I think he's destroyed the hurt that it brought him. And sometimes we might kind of pull away from thinking of God God the destroyer. But I think there are times in our lives sometimes where we need God to come in and just smash something. And I think that's what he did. So... God is reminding Abram of who he is and his identity before he's going to go near changing Abram's identity. And why did, why did he do this? I think sometimes we need reminding of who God is and what he's done before he can do something in our lives that might seem a bit scary. So hence the name, looking back, looking forward. Sometimes we need a bit of reminding um, of what he's done in our lives and how amazing he is before he can be like, remember who I am right now, I'm going to do this in you otherwise it might be a bit too much for us. So he kind of comes in, what he says straight away is, I am El Shaddai, walk before me and be blameless. So I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Quite a big ask. <laughs> if he came in and said that to me, I'd be like, "Oh uh, no, sorry. Um, you might kind of think, if that was anyone else, if it was um, Gus, for example, a gush in front of me. Um, And he came in and said, I am Gus Almighty, walk before me (laughs) and be blameless. (laughs) (laughs) So Gus has walked in the room, I am Gus Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. We'd kind of be thinking, who do you think you are? Like, don't tell me that. Who are you to tell me to walk before you and be blameless? But the difference with God is, what would seem arrogant, anyone else saying it, is that actually God completely lives up to that name. So he's the only one who can call himself it without being arrogant. He is God Almighty. He lives up to it. And that's also why he's able to make those commands. Um, and I'm going to go into that in a little bit more depth. So I think it's it's quite interesting that God's kind of come in and said, I am God Almighty because he lives up to that name, but he was talking to Abram, who really didn't live up to his name, and that was what really hurt him. So why change it now? Abram was 99, he'd been called it his whole life, he'd kind of got used to it probably, even though it was painful. Why change it now? I don't know the answer to that. And I'm all right with not knowing the answer to that. I don't know why God's timing sometimes is completely different to what we want it to be. I don't know. I'll ask him when I get to heaven. We all can. But I can't answer that one. But I do know that I think God really understands the power of words and names probably more than we understand it. And I think he understands the power of words and names because he created the earth by speaking things into being. But also, you know, the Bible's kind of full of... um, analogies and descriptions of the power of the tongue so in proverbs for example um it says death and life are in the power of the tongue and i think god really knows that and knows perhaps better than we do how that would have really like speared abram's heart every time he got called that name um and i think also god knows that words and names have the power to make or break our heart and our hearts desires He has so much better for us than that. He has really great things for us, and so I think that's why. I don't know why he did it in 99, but he did. But he's got great things for us, and he didn't think it was too late to do that for for Abram. Okay. So why was El Shaddai so significant? Again, it's a pretty big demand, as I said. It's like walk before me and be blameless. I can't be blameless for five minutes, let alone the rest of my life. So he's asking quite a lot of Abram but i think what's really important is to clarify <coughs> excuse me that god's command wasn't you keep your side of the deal and if you do i'll keep mine because that's just not how he works and also it would just fail straight away us trying to walk before him and be blameless and then he'll keep his side of the deal just would never work it was instead <coughs> excuse me i will do this for you and because of who I am and what I do for you, you will be able to keep your covenant. Does that make sense? So it's basically, it's all about who God is and what he's done that enables Abram to keep that huge covenant of walk before me and be blameless. And I'm just struck by that, that it's only ever, I thought that really sums up um, grace, really, that it's only ever because of who God is that we're ever able to obey him. And if we try and obey him, without who he is and what he's done for us it just doesn't work it just falls flat but it's only with God saying I'm almighty and I'm going to do this for you and I've done this for you and I've done this for you that we then are able to walk blamelessly or even try to walk blamelessly before him I also think it's kind of significant in terms of um, why we can't judge others by standards that we might try and live by because actually it's only because of what God's done that we're ever able to even make an attempt at it Okay. So why circumcision? We're not avoiding the subject. Why circumcision? It's a bit strange. So he said, Walk before me and be blameless. And he said, I'm going to be your God. And now I want you to circumcise yourself and all the males in your household. It seems really, really random. Um, I don't get it. Now, obviously, I don't know loads and loads. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Vince. Obviously, I don't know loads and loads about circumcision. But what I do know is that it's active. Um, it's an action. You've got to go and do it. It's a choice. So Abram did have a choice. It was a command, but he did have a choice. And it's pretty final. I'm assuming that once it's done, you can't go back on it. Um, <laughs> even in this day and age with um, you know, medical advancements, I'm assuming you can't go back on it. Um, but also, it involves pain and then healing. And I think that's a bit like having a new identity. So sometimes we can get so used to an old identity, no matter how damaging it is, maybe a name that someone's called us from school, or maybe um, something someone said to us years ago, or even what we've told ourselves we're like, we can still get used to those identities, no matter how bad they are for us. And actually, it can be a bit painful when we've got a new identity and we sort of think, well, better the devil you know, I'd rather hold on to the old one. So I think circumcision really speaks about this new identity because there's pain, but then there's healing afterwards. And I also think it's really obedient, and it's a huge risk, and it's a huge act of faith and trust in God that Abraham um, said yes to being circumcised. And it's a huge risk because actually I think it's interesting that God said, um, I'm going to give you the ability to father children. And he's done that by saying he's given him a new name he said, you are now Abraham. You are father of many nations. So he's just given him this ability to father children. He said, you're going to father loads of children. But first, you've got to risk it all (laughs) by, not to go into it in too great a depth, but by cutting cutting your sexual organs. So in, in that time, that's going to be pretty dangerous. So God said, I'm going to enable you to have this dream of having children but first you've got to cut your sexual organs so you've got to kind of risk it and I think that's really interesting so God's basically asked Abraham to put all of his eggs in his basket almost a case of I've said I'm going to do this are you going to trust me so Paul's going to continue and explain why he does trust him okay
2: Again, well, there's a lot of circumcision in the passage. I don't want to uh, make anybody uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to be gentle. (laughs) 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 (coughs) When told me I was going to preach on circumcision, I thought the instant reaction was, um, What a few jokes, a few laughs, be fun. (laughs) And then somebody said, yeah, but get some get some theology in there, won't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then other people, I said, yeah, I'm, I'm preaching on circumcision, and then they would look at me and they say, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and I said, well, well, well why is it difficult? Depends how you do it. <laughs> 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 so, so, so I'm going to be sensitive. A lot of jokes are cut out. Gus has seen the scripts as a bit of you know stamp of approval, unless I wander off. So, we'll be safe. It'd be good, it'd be good. Um, Vine's dictionary talks of circumcision involving cutting, but the important thing is is that God instructed Abraham to perform a ritual on himself, his dependents, and his descendants. A sign of the covenant, the everlasting covenant, between God and Abraham. The Spirit-filled Bible talks of circumcision, um, signifying God's people being set apart, cutting away a fleshy dependents, the hope of a good future and fruitfulness now what's important about circumcision is that it's it's a signpost or a pointer to the covenant the everlasting covenant genesis 17 says that abram had all males circumcised that very same day i wonder how that worked i'm not sure that abram's household had the faith that abraham had for this if it was me I'd have done everything to get out of it. I think a few of us would have tried to get out of it. But it's interesting to sort of think about how he might have done it. Did he have a circumciser that did him? And then he sent him out to do the household. Because I just think that the men just diving behind walls, diving behind trees, hiding, <laughs> <laughs> just sort of think, no, not me. But it, when he finally cornered me, you know, just imagine a man with a, knife and a black cloak and a hood (laughs) when he finally cornered me i said look do i do i really have to do this yes can we do it tomorrow no today today you're all okay you're all all right other men all right you're all right good um my apprehension or anybody's apprehension at that time would have been understandable. Circumcision is undertaken in conditions, if it's taken, undertaken in conditions in basic conditions, uh, it is quite risky. The BBC website uh, lists articles about circumcision occurring in um, South African tribes. It's a rite of passage for them, you see. And already there have been 80 deaths this year because the uh, conditions are basic. The figures do seem to point to a question mark over how safe the, proce- the procedure is in basic conditions. Um, I think that the conditions that Abraham and the rest of the household would have um, had the circumcision done in would have been basic, and wouldn't have been any modern medical uh, facilities. So they would have taken a really big risk. A risk, sorry. Abraham didn't flinch, didn't deliberate, didn't falter, did it that very day. He knew it was gonna be painful, it was gonna be costly, Definitely risky, but he got on with it immediately, demonstrating a step of faith. But why? Why do something um, immediately that was so unattractive? You all right? Yeah, okay. The men, okay. Good, good. But why? You know, when you're in that situation, when you see a um, what do they call it a gift horse, you're looking at a gift horse in the house, in the house in the house, gift horse <laughs> in the mouth um, you might walk into a shop see something that you've wanted for a long time it's on sale you think right I'll have that, where's the check where's the pen, where's the credit card where's Gussie's, the great Gussie's credit card where's the cash, I want that now and I think that's that's the sort of heart that Abraham had at this point, I think he really felt that this was a really great opportunity and he just went for it so it's an example of Abraham looking back at how God had come through for him and then looking forward and holding on to the promises that he had for him. I think we should remember that we can grow in faith like that as individuals and as a church. Right. I've mentioned earlier that uh, circumcision uh, signposts or points to the covenant between God and Abraham. There's a theologian called Henry Winsborough who puts it like this. Physical circumcision has no less has no value unless it is uh, a sign of a wholehearted devotion and commitment to God's covenant. So what was he talking about? He was talking about circumcision of the heart. But then what does that mean? Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, talks about circumcision of the heart. Colossians talks about Christ literally cutting away the sins of the flesh, being buried in baptism and being raised to life. Corinthians indicates that if we're in Christ we're a new creation so what have we got we've got <coughs> circumcision in the heart and it's something to do with Jesus baptism and new creations in life I'll get around to talking about Jesus in a bit just hold on I've just got to get through a few things before I can get there um, what part does baptism have in circumcision of the heart well as a f- physical circumcision signposts the uh, wholehearted acceptance of the covenant, whereas baptism signposts the inner reality Mm -hmm. of a born-again believer set set apart for God whose heart has been circumcised in the spiritual sense. I've been baptized. As I said, baptism signposts the inner reality of the believer being set apart for God. Um, In in effect, baptism was was kind of like an inner circumcision for me. I'm certainly set, set apart, as it were baptism can also be helpful um, it can be a helpful moment to ask God to cut away sins and so i've I've been baptized, and on the day I was baptized i I decided not to smoke on that day um, and it's ten years on and I haven't smoked it's not been a problem and now what I wanted to say is that for the people out there that are smokers that are praying, that doesn't make me any more special um you know, there's probably areas of your life you're praying in, I'm praying in the same areas, and you're seeing more movement than me. It's just that God works differently in different people. In Deuteronomy, it says that God will circumcise their hearts so they will be free to love God with heart, soul and mind. So what does circumcision of the heart look like? I mentioned earlier that circumcision of the heart was something to do with Jesus, baptism and new creations. We had a little bit about baptism and symbolism of the new creation in Christ, but why would anyone want to be baptized in the first place? Why did I get baptized? Now we're there. We're there. On to Jesus. Told so you I'd get there. Well, this is where we get to the root of it. Jesus. God gave everything so that we could set apart for Him. So, so we could be set apart for Him. God gave everything so that our sin could, and our rebellion and rejection of God could be done away with. He gave all that we could. Uh, all. That could, he gave everything. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. This is how much He loved the world by giving us Jesus or giving jesus up to us so the circumcision of the heart is if you like us humbling our hearts to god as a result of our sin and knowing that our hearts can never be whole but god can make us whole again by accepting that jesus has w- what he's done for us on the cross and the thing that i love about the story of jesus is that everybody knows what he's like so i i had a conversation with people at work that they don't go to church We have conversations from time to time. And for some reason, one of the girls started getting a little bit vulnerable. And she just broke into the conversation. She said, yes, but Jesus loves everybody. He loves everyone. And I thought, I know that. And it's great that it's so obvious that you know that, that everybody knows that. So what we have is a picture of Abraham accepting God's loving covenant by faith and hope. And we also see God's love demonstrated also, also through the giving of his one and only son to bring about reconciliation between him and his people. Before I close, just a few quick testimonies. I've given a testimony on a personal level. Um, on a church level, we've seen great um, answer to prayer with Vince. Um, Vince, uh, one of the leaders in the church, had uh, two cancers. One's been completely eradicated. One is in remission the church just praying. Adrian, the leader of the church, um, used to have a problem with his being able to hear, prayed, dealt with. Zach and Sarah, a couple that have moved from our church to another sister church, um, went through a real a real trial. They had uh, uh, two twins, and just as uh, Sarah was giving birth, there was, there was a complication with one of the twins, and he didn't look like he was going to make it. Church prayed, he made it. And this must have been awful for Sarah, because almost straight, af- straight after that, almost right after that, Zach then was in an accident and then nearly died. We prayed, he came through, he's alive. So what I wanted to do was to conclude and say we can look back with great comfort remembering how God has been with us on an individual level um, and on a church level and then look forward to the promises that God um, has for us uh, as a church, um, accepting God's love and loving others, doing so in such a way that it strengthens hope Brings so strengthens faith, brings fresh hope, in a loving way. And that's me. That's me done.
1: Um, we're going to go on to ministry in response so if anyone wants to respond to what we've talked about when I was praying before today I felt really strongly that well I suppose it's quite obvious but that there would be some people who had had words or names said over them that have actually really really held them back um, that were lies said to them but they've held on to them and they've held them back and I just felt really strongly that there might be people um who would need some prayer about that, we can kind of cut that off, as it were, Um, today. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's a really serious thing, and I've just made a joke, I'm sorry. Are you all right? (laughs) Anyway. Are you all right? (laughs) Anyway, so if there is is anyone, then just, then let us know afterwards.
2: Okay, so, God did put something on my heart to bring, and I was going to bring it in the message, but, We thought it would be better to bring it as a form of ministry. So in a little while, I'm going to ask you to all stand. Close your eyes. I'll tell you what God has brought, then ask for a number of responses, uh, and then we'll take it from there. So if you could all stand. If you could all just close your eyes. Now, I used to work with someone who uh, used to be in the Marines Um, As you can imagine, the Marines are faced with danger every day. he told me that everybody, whether they believed in God or not, said, when you're going into battle, there's only one person you're talking to. When you're going into battle, there's only one person you're talking to. It seems clear that most people pray to God when circumstances are beyond them. If we look at what happened, what's happening at the moment uh, in the world um, over the last few years, there's financial crises Quite a few challenges, and one of which involves families feeling like their very lives are having things cut away. Some people might feel like their circumstances are so far beyond them, that their very lives feel like they're circumcised. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe you're not a Christian, but you're thinking about God. Or maybe someone that questions whether God exists, but to those two groups of people, I would say, don't leave it until your circumstances are so far beyond you that you take that moment to talk to God. So if you feel that's you, I'll just ask you just to just put your hand up and then I'll just point to you and then you just put it back down again. And uh, we'll pray for you. If it's too much to do with that, come to the front later. Beth and I are here. The ministry team are here. We can pray for you then. So I'll just wait on that just for a little while longer.
1: just pop your hands up if you if you feel like there's um, circumstances that are just beyond you and you feel you need God's help with it, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian that's absolutely fine, so just pop your hands up if that relates to you, that's great brilliant
2: so i'm going to pray over you now and then if you want to you can come to the front later and uh, we'll pray over you as a as a team thank you god that uh, for these people and for actually for everybody in the congregation you love them i thank you that you love everybody and it seems to me that everybody knows it please give a revelation of yourself to these people let them know that you know how these people are built, you know how they are designed you saw the blueprint at the beginning of time, you know how they've been created, you know that they can trust you to handle them we ask that you come and just bring a fresh revelation of your love and a fresh faith in your ability to help them thank you for the good things you've done in this church Lord God thank you for the things that you've done in people's lives We ask that you bring new strength, a fresh hope, and a stronger love. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Okay, so that's the the end of the meeting per se. If you've got children, can you...